to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3. How about you don't use a mic? And I get to use this when my voice is louder. Whatever. I could be heard above you. Whatever. Um. <laughs> I'm starting to believe that, like, I must smell or something. Because this is always empty. <laughs> no, it's the spit zone, there, babe. The spit zone? Spit okay, zone. whatever. Um, so, you know, the angle, the angle we've been taking with this series is we wanted to start with things that matter more than who you date, right? So we talked about your relationship with God. We talked about your relationship with yourself last week. We talked about your relationship with others. And tonight we want to stay kind of in that same perspective, but talk about communication. Uh, the, the tools we're going to talk through tonight apply to any relationship that you have in your life. They, whether it's friendships with your parents, romantic ones. Obviously, a lot of our examples tonight will have to do with Brittany and I's marriage, um, which we've almost been married for two years in May, which is cool. Um, but, which makes us practically experts, right? May, May what, babe? May 2nd. Good job. I looked right before I came up here. Yeah. Um, it's also on the inside of my ring, in case I ever forget. <laughs> but It's like Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Brit the funny thing is I didn't choose to do that. Brittany gave me this <laughs> ring with it inscribed inside my ring. Whatever. Just helping she knows me, out. me, helping me out. Um, but, but we're excited, and again, I promise, I know I've been promising this for a while, but I am, I do promise we will get to, you know, five signs of their bay, you know, how to build your forever marriage. Like, we're going to talk about that stuff, but I, I think it's important for us to realize that sometimes we can so idolize marriage that we forget how to build healthy relationships, and healthy relationships become the framework that we build dating and marriages on, right? If I can't build healthy, non-codependent friendships, then I am not going to date well. And I'm not going to build a marriage that lasts. I will kind of, this is the way to look at it. Relationships are practice for what I pull into my dating relationship, right? And therefore I pull into marriage. And so if I can't get platonic, normal relationships right, and I'm going to be frustrated with the marriage I build. So yeah. we want to talk through communication in, in light of some of the differences between men and women. We're going to use the term men and women uh, because we don't believe in dating boys and girls. We believe you should date men and women. Some, like, just side note, some of your guys' problems is because you date boys and girls. You don't date men and women. Just side note. Um, and that was a harsh reality I Church. came to at some point. But, um, so... We're excited about this topic. We're excited to do it together. I think it's going to be good. So let's pray, and we'll read our scripture. We'll dive into it. God, we pray uh, that you would continue to guide us by your word to see how to build healthy and thriving relationships, build relationships that stand the test of time so we can build marriages that stand the test of time. For a lot of us, some of the things we're talking about are not normal. They're not things that we've seen practiced. They're not things that... We have understood, but I pray that we would lean into this understanding that if we build our relationships with the principles we see in your word, that that is what stands the test of time. Yeah. So I pray that you would enable us to build healthy friendships, that then we can build healthy marriages, and then we can change our family lives. And we thank you for that in your name. Amen. Amen. So we kind of wanted to start with our story. Um, some of you guys haven't heard it um, in its entirety, 
um, there is my version, which is correct, and then there is Brittany's version, which is the exaggerated one, mm. for the record. Interesting. So, yeah. Mm. So, <laughs> so, um, I... I want to hear, hear your version of the story. You, you know my version, mm -hmm. and it's right. So, oh. um, we, uh, Taylor and Noel Murray, our youth pastors here, Taylor was my dorm leader in Bible college, right? So he would bring me up here to speak at summer camp. I'd play bass at different services and things like that. And Brittany was one of Taylor Noel's main youth leaders. So I came to speak at summer camp one time, and Brittany was hosting me at summer camp. I don't know why there's quotations around that. I was your host. <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, and camp Let's was great. Some conspiracy. Camp was great. It was really fun. I leave. We have these mutual friends, Adam and Monica Blanchard, um, and – so I leave, and Brittany starts this group text with me, Adam, and Monica, and her, and we're, like, sharing these funny memes back and forth, right? And that goes on for a couple of weeks, and then I wake Girl, up one— make notes. Yeah. I wake up—I make up—I wake up one morning, a couple of weeks later, and there's this text from just Brittany, and it's a meme, and it says, oops, I meant to send this to the group thread. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, sure you did. Sure you did. Oh, but did you respond back? Heck yes, I did. So <laughs> I, um, I respond back. We start talking. Uh, I come back up. Uh, we went to a 21 Pilots concert for our first date. As friends. It wasn't As our friends. first date. Sorry. My bad. As friends. We were supposed to invite a group. That you forgot to invite. I never initiated it. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So uh, we go to a 21 Pilots concert, which is super fun. Uh, and then our first official date was to Ferrelli's at Four Corners because I'm classy like was that. Was that our first official date? I think so. I don't know. Whatever. So, um, I don't want to claim Ferrelli's as our first <laughs> official date. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then uh, she comes down to Centralia at some point to see my town. If you've ever been in Centralia, it's where I was living at the time. It takes like four minutes to give a tour, right? He's, he's not kidding. Um, I'm not kidding. It takes so four minutes. I, ra I literally I knew I wanted to ask her out that day. Um, but I kept chickening out. So I spent like $45 on coffee that day because <laughs> I took her to every coffee shop in Centralia and then all the coffee shops I knew of in Olympia and just kept going. So it's the That's end of – That's why it was the caffeine that made you so Yeah, scary. exactly. It's the end of the day. It's the end of the day. And I'm like – I'm literally running out. Like the sun is setting. Brittany's like, I need to go. And it's like now I'm getting awkward. So we're walking around the capital in Olympia. And I say, hey, I, I need to say something. And I, I say, I really like you. I'd like to date you. And, and I just start talking because I'm nervous. And I just start talking. And she doesn't say anything. <laughs> like nothing. And I paused multiple times to give her a chance no, hold to like on. say something. You did not pause multiple times. Yes, I did. Anyone who has heard you speak frequently knows that you do not pause. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so... Again, my version's the correct one. Uh -huh. So okay. I pause, and, and I that. finally I finally say, I'm just going to stop talking because this is awkward now. And she still doesn't say anything. Like, we're walking side by side. At this point, I'm just staring at the concrete as we just do laps around the Capitol building. And if you I, had looked at me, you would have seen me nodding the whole time and smiling. Yeah, okay, whatever. So, <laughs> so finally she says back, I like you, I want to date. Um, we dated for about a year and a half. Um, about a year of that was long distance. Um, and we'll talk about that uh, during this series as well. But um, honestly, that is where we developed a lot of our good communication because we couldn't 
build a relationship based on how we interacted physically with each other when we were close. Yeah. We had to learn to communicate and communicate value and care and respect and love over phone. Thank God for FaceTime, all that kind of stuff, right? But um, we went to Africa together, mm-hmm. and I figured if we can make it through Africa, then she's going to be the one I want to marry, <laughs> right? So we spent three weeks in Africa. We come back. We're still dating, still like each other. And uh, I decide to move up here. And right around Christmas, I finally buy the ring. And I moved up here without a job. Like, I was making tons of money for the Great Wolf Lodge. Moved up here, had no job, had no money. Um, was finding ways to scrape money together. I drove a forklift for, like, a month at this warehouse at, like, 5 a.m. just to make enough money to get a ring. And um, was making enough. Finally bought a ring. But Brittany didn't know that, obviously. Want to keep it a secret. Her best friend gets engaged, like, three weeks before Christmas. She comes downstairs the next morning. She's crying, so frustrated we're not engaged. Because <laughs> they'd been dating less time than us. Why yeah. just frame it like that? Yeah. And so I had to, like, I have the ring. Like, I, I have the ring. And I'm like, babe, you got to trust me. It's probably going to be the beginning of next year. Like, I, I, I don't make a lot of money right now. Like, I don't want to go into debt over this. And then, so I calm her down. She's like, okay, I trust you. Little do I realize that her dad is going to take her out later in the day and give the same speech that I did, but he uses terms like six months to a year. Like, you need to wait. It's probably going to be six months to a year. My, he dad, knows, my dad does not do stuff like that. And he, he knows. Not, like, pretend. He went with me to get the ring. Like, he knows that I have the ring. So Christmas morning comes. We're down in Portland with my family, and we open all of the presents. My parents have migrated to an artificial tree, which really kills my heart, but that's, what, that's the decision they've decided on. And so I tell Brittany, oh, there's one more present. I hid it in the tree for you, but I didn't. Like, it was in my pocket, right? But I had said that because my brother needed to set up the GoPro, but then my brother couldn't set up the GoPro. He couldn't get it to connect to his phone. So I had, like, three times had to say no. He had one job. Yeah, he had one job. Couldn't do it. I kept saying, no, it's in there. I promise. It's in there. You can see through the tree. I'm, like, Like, digging in the tree. Like, nothing (laughs) in there No, it's not. No, it's not. So I finally, like, whatever, I'm just going to do it. Get down on one knee. Brittany, will you marry me? And the first words out of her mouth are, are you serious? It's like, what do you think this is for? No, it's a joke. Haha, April Fool's, right? Yeah. Well, you set me up to believe that. So, mission accomplished. But we've been married for almost two years. We're having a ton of fun. Life is really good with you. I really love you. Um, and we're going to talk about communication. All right. Yeah. Thank Translate. you. Segway. <laughs> Because we're running out of time. So we're going to talk about why I process like that and why Brittany's good for me. Um, but we, we, want, we want to help us understand a couple things about communication. We're going to look at this first Peter scripture in a second. We need to realize that communication is essential for human connection. Mm-hmm. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us have some very, very bad communication habits and we wonder why we find ourselves isolated and alone. Mm-hmm. Why we can't get a relationship to stick. Why we can't figure, and, and we need to remember that one plus one equals one in healthy relationships. And communication is my ability to communicate all of me to the person I'm in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And so getting this stuff right is really, really, really important. So in First Peter 3, we'll start in verse 8. It says this, to sum it up, all of you are to be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit. I want all of us to think about the last time we were angry at someone and ask if that is the lens that we communicated in. Harmonious, 
sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble. It's probably not how we communicate when we're frustrated, right? Not returning evil for evil or insult for insult. That idea of insult is scolding, berating, or any kind of abuse. So not returning insult for insult. Not returning evil for evil, but giving a blessing. Praying for the well-being, the contentment, and the protection of others. So, we're seeing now groundwork laid out for how we're supposed to communicate. Our communication should be sympathetic, harmonious, well-caring for the other person. We should be willing to turn the other cheek, not return insult for insult or evil for evil. And it keeps going. For the one who desires life, to love and see good days. I would hope that that would be your definition of marriage. To love and see good days. Must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from speaking deceit. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears attend to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So we want to talk through kind of three main things tonight. First one is this. We want to talk about the difference between men and women and how that affects communication. We want to talk about our tendencies in communication, and we're going to end with how to fight fair because we want our relationships to be full of love and good days, and that's based on our ability to communicate. So Brittany's going to start by explaining some of the differences between men and women. Yeah, so first off, uh, I'm going to stand up for this teacher cap on i'm just kidding um no but it's interesting i think communication is an interesting thing and we talked about a lot of there's a lot of content we wanted to shove into this message but we it's just too much we didn't want to overwhelm you guys so we chose this intentionally as kind of a basis foundation right and we're going to expand on it as the series goes on but communication is interesting because i think you can get to different seasons in your life and think yeah i'm a pretty decent communicator i myself believed that i was a pretty decent communicator but I had never dated until I dated Ed, which is part of our story that we did not tell. Um, but we, um, so being with Ed in our dating relationship and being long distance, that was the first exposure that I had to having to learn how to effectively communicate my emotions and what I was feeling and thinking to another person. I mean, you do that with your friends, but how many know that's a completely different experience than doing that with the person you're dating, right? It's, it's completely different. So I really had to learn a lot during that time, and then even more so after we got married and the heaviness of life sets in sometimes and things get tense and you have to talk through difficult stuff, right? It becomes even more difficult, to be honest. Myself, I kind of shut down when I'm trying to communicate what I'm feeling because I don't know how to articulate it. So this was really key for me to understand kind of the differences in myself versus the difference in Ed and how he processed and I've shared this analogy before when I've spoken, spoke, spake, I don't know. But, um, you know, so you might have heard me say this already, but kind of when you think about the, a woman's brain and how it operates, I like to picture it as, you know, I've, I've heard people share this and there's some different versions of it, but kind of like a big old pot of spaghetti noodles, right? Like just a bunch of little like bleh like a big old mess of noodles and they're all messy and running together and you don't know where one leads to the next and it's just a big mess. And one thought like turns into 15 more thoughts and then into like 206 thoughts and it's just like, before you know it, you're like, wait, how did I, where did I, 
where did I start? I don't even know. I'm just so worked up about everything in my life. And that's like, that's how we are a lot of times, right ladies? Like it just, sometimes you can't control it. It's just like everything feeds into one another. Every, everything has a part to play with another thing, right? But guys, guys kind of picture their brain like a waffle, like this. Stick with me for a second. Stick with me, okay? So like a waffle, right? A waffle iron, when you cook waffle, you pour the batter in, kind of goes into these perfect little measured segments, right? And then when you pour the syrup in after it's cooked, it's like the syrup kind of goes from one box to the next box and then slowly covers the whole waffle, right? Well, when a guy thinks, that's just general terms, right? When a guy thinks, he kind of thinks in compartments, right? Like one thought, he's like focused on that. You hear the term one-track mind, and it usually gets used in a bad way. But all that's trying to say is guys, the way that their brain operates, is like they're focused on one thing, that's the task, that's the problem to solve. And then if they need to move to the next thing, they leave that thing and move to the next thing. Like that's just kind of generally, again, there's total mixtures of this, like I am some ways in that way and Ed is sometimes like noodles, you know, but generally speaking, this is how it works. But guys have this freaking privilege <laughs> of something that I wish I could for one minute experience, and that is something called the nothing box. Yes. Yes. Gentlemen, I hope you enjoy as a woman, this never stops. <laughs> it's all just noodles 24 7, 365, like, mm, even when I dream. <laughs> I wish literally for one second, just, just a minute of my day, I could experience a nothing box. And you get to choose. You could choose to go into the nothing box. I don't understand. And it really works me up. So, that being said, those differences can kind of cause some problems sometimes. Yeah, like I've, I've realized when I ask Brittany, how are you doing? That is a multi-layered question. <laughs> he instantly wishes he had never asked that. Because like, because how work affects, home life affects, affects, affects. But when Brittany asks me, how am I doing? I'm like, good, I, I really enjoyed this today. Like, that's it. Like, that, that is my box. I can now put that away. I answered that question, right? And, and but we have to realize that at, that affects affects how we communicate with each other yeah we need to realize that a question when i when you're asking when a when a woman asks a man hey how are you doing you need to be okay with one response like because Brittany's like no really how are you doing no i i meant i meant like i pulled out my box i answered that question i put the box like moments over I, if, if if something was bad i would have told you that it was bad you know what i mean um and, and I've realized with Brittany, though, I need to allow time. Because this is what, this fundamental sidebar communication thing. If you're going to ask someone how they're doing, the, one of the most personal questions we can ask a human, how is your soul? How are you doing? Yeah. Please allow time to receive that answer. Mm -hmm. If you, how are you doing is not a, hey, how are you, and then leave, right? So specifically with your significant other or someone you say you value, friendship, relationship. If you're going to ask, how are you doing? Make sure you have time for that answer, yeah. right? Now, another fundamental difference in communication from women to men, men to women. So men receive communication through the lens of respect. Everything that someone says to a man is being measured against respect. Yep. Everything 
that a woman receives as communication is being measured through love. All right? The problem is, because women like to receive communication through love, they generally give communication through love. Right? Because men receive communication through respect, they tend to give out communication through the lens of respect. So let me give some examples of this. And, and respect, by the way, is a basic human right. So we need to make sure, especially, let, let me, if, if you have decided you want to date someone, when you are even the most frustrated you've been with them in your entire life, you still communicate through respect. Yeah. If you deem that person worth dating, berating them is not an option. Mm -hmm. Side note. But when you are dating someone, women to men, statements like, you always fail. You continually let me down. You are lazy. You are weak. You are stupid. You have to realize all of that is being taken through the lens of respect. Any character assassination statement will shut a man down. So generally, we try to get, like, we tr like women try to get men's attention by making those huge statements, thinking, oh, that's going to get him off his butt and get him moving, yeah. when really all that does is shut men down. Can I add to that real quick? Yeah. So I'm going to speak to the ladies for a second because, you know, we can relate. Um, with this in mind, please, when you are feeling a strong emotion and you just want to, like, explode some of your noodles out would you please sit down with a trusted friend first and and maybe release a little bit of that in an honoring way of covering your significant other but maybe take some time of reflection and kind of letting that initial like frustration come out first before you try and talk to the person doesn't mean you walk around like telling everybody you're ish but it does there is wisdom in sitting down with, again, somebody that you trust, that knows you well enough to present you back with some truth before you go and try and have that conversation. Because sometimes what happens is in a moment of frustration, we don't think through how we're phrasing something, and it comes across in a disrespectful manner. Yeah. So, side note. So men to women, though, communicating love, right? And we need to realize this isn't just in what we say, though that's what we're focusing on right now that there is so much more that goes into communicating love and communicating respect to your significant other. But love, women want to know a couple key statements. I see you, I hear you, I love you, I'm with you. So guys, it is our job in what men, sorry, men, it's our job in what we say to make sure we're constantly communicating. I love you. I'm with you. Now, please don't like out of the gate, first date, I love you. I'm with you. I see you. I hear you. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying, though, is as you begin to build a relationship towards marriage, when you decide you've, mer you've changed from like to love, then it's important to communicate this basis of I am with you and I am here. One of the ways I'm working on showing that to Brittany is when we're on dates, I give her my phone because I want to constantly communicate that I am here I am with you. There is nothing else that matters more. It bugs the heck out of me when a guy says, my girl is so controlling. They, they don't let me do. They won't let me go. I can't go do this. And this is what I've come to realize with Brittany. If Brittany knows that fundamentally I am with her, if she wants me there, then I get to go do whatever I want. Mm -hmm. 
because fundamentally she knows I'm in. She knows I'm not going anywhere. She knows I don't value something over her. I am there with her. So if I am getting this communication towards Brittany correct of love and affection and care, Mm -hmm. then naturally her response back to me will be respect. Yeah. And we need to realize that. Guys, if, if we get this love thing down, respect comes back. Girls, if you get this respect thing down, then love is what will come back towards you. Yep. So those are like some really simple, high, high level, fundamental differences between the way guys, men, and women communicate. But there's also some things that we need to realize. So the first one is this. you got to realize there's differences between men and women. That's what we talked about. Second is this. You need to realize that you probably have a tendency in how you communicate. A couple tendency for Brittany and I is when we are hungry – there is no solution being found in how we communicate. Like there is no deep conversation to be had after we work out until we eat. It's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. The other one, we've had to go back to each other and say, I'm sorry for what I said when I was hungry. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry for the way I handled that. We will you. have that sign in our house. Yeah. The other yep. thing, the other thing for us is like after church, we're mentally exhausted. So Thursday nights, my tendency, I'm really introverted. Like, honestly, I'm introverted. You guys wear me out. I love you all, but I go home. <laughs> I go home, and I turn on Sports Center and I say nothing. Like, just sit on the couch, nothing. That's what I do. And Brittany realizes that's a tendency. She knows that she's not going to get a deep, meaningful conversation from me after Thursday night. Sunday morning, Brittany's job is way more mentally invigorating than mine is. So I know I'm not going to get deep, meaningful conversation from, from Brittany Sunday afternoon. I, we recognize our tendencies, but there's some base level communication ones that we fall into as well. Yeah. So a couple of those are, there's four of them really that are, again, these are ones that most, you will find yourself in one of these categories most of the time, but you will experience one of these categories probably more than once in your communication style. So it doesn't mean that it's a one and done thing, but these are good to know and recognize as you are navigating some of this process, right? So the first one kind of hits close to home for me because this is where I find myself a lot of the time, and that is placating. It's kind of a weird word, placating. Yes, I will spell it for you. P-L-A-C-A-T-I-N-G. Yes, I can go to the spelling bee now. Just kidding. Um, So placator tends to be what you would call like a yes man or a yes woman. Their, Their first initial instinct is to people please, right? And um, what tends to happen, though, is for the sake of keeping the peace, they just find themselves saying yes to everything, kind of a lack of boundaries. And that goes back to what we talked about last week. Um, They will keep the peace at all costs. And this is totally something that I relate with. I find it difficult at times to stand up for myself, whether it's in a work situation or with a friend or family member, whatever because I don't want there to be conflict. I hate conflict. I literally avoid it at all costs. But I've had to learn as I've gotten older, now being an adult and being married, like I I have to be okay with conflict. Conflict is not bad. It is how we manage the conflict, right? And so for any of you that relate with me and are a placator a lot of the time, know that it is okay to disagree, okay? It is okay to have a different opinion and it is okay to speak up and stand up for yourself, okay? So that's the first one. Second one is what we would call a blamer. This is somebody that is constantly finding fault in everything and everybody around them except for themselves, right? Kind of goes back to the first week, really, that you talked about that, right? And in the idea of responsibility, 
that when we're responsible, that means we take, we don't blame anyone, including ourselves. We just take ownership of the choices that we have made up to that point, right? So blamers, the thing that is important to know, especially if you find yourself in a relationship with somebody that has this tendency, is it's usually rooted in some form of feeling unwanted or unloved. Sometimes we can initially just push those people away because they frustrate us. They're like in your face with all these opinions and like just mm, annoying. But we need to recognize and some of that empathy to kind of come back in us is that's usually tied to something. So we need to be okay trying to pull away some of those layers. So the thing that blamers need to know is they need to be able to speak on their behalf without pulling other people down in that process. Okay. And then next one. So computers. I fall into this category. Computers find themselves being highly reason-based and logic-based and pretty low on the emotion when it comes to communication. So, like, I've been accused by people that I know. Accused is a strong term. I've had people that I know say, are you a robot? You're showing no emotion. And I tend to fall into that because I am learning that emotions aren't bad. I just get frustrated when emotions dictate decision, right? I get really frustrated with that. So because of that, though, it has hindered at times my ability to show that I care. Mm -hmm. So I've had friends going through really tough times, and I'm there in problem-solving mode instead of present mode. Yeah. And so I'm having to learn that it is okay. It's important for people to see <laughs> that I understand the gravity and the weight of the situation. The other thing that's important for people who fall into this category to realize is it is not my job to fix everything especially guys something to realize if you are dating a woman and not a girl a woman will not need you to fix everything nor will she want you to fix everything so like here's an example a couple weeks ago Brittany's walking through a tough thing with a friend and I immediately I didn't like seeing her in pain so I was like this is how we're gonna fix it go 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 fix it I have solved this problem for you sunfield delivered and I was quickly informed that that was not what she needed to be need to be in that moment. <laughs> so it's funny though, because my dad, my dad and I process very similarly. And so I pick my dad has a phenomenal marriage. He's they've been married for almost 30 years now. And I pick up the phone and I call my dad and I was like, How do I not do this again? You know, because he's experienced it, he's felt it, he knows. And my dad goes, You need to realize it's more important to be present than to fix it. Especially, see. We need to realize that kids, boys and girls, like feeling needed and need codependent, and I need you to need me, and so I find purpose by fixing your problems, mm -hmm. right? When you're dating a man or a woman, you're married to a man or a woman, we are problem solvers and co-creators together. Yep. Brittany does not need me to fix her problems. What she wants to know is that I'm with her as she fixes it, as she works through it, right? So, computers, and you realize that. Last one is this. Distractors. So, distractors are conflict avoid. See, everyone avoids conflict. Like, no one enjoys having things explode emotionally right in front of your face, right? So, mm -hmm. all of I these... Think some people do. Yeah, and we'll pray for them later. But, <laughs> all of these are rooted in an attempt to avoid conflict and keep peace, right? Because in relationships, if there's conflict, that means the relationship could end. And so we want to avoid that. We want to live, we would rather live in the illusion that everything's okay mm -hmm. than admit that there's a crack in the armor and attempt to fix it out of fear that we could lose it, right? 
So distractors, though, distractors are ones who kind of use the shiny object syndrome to avoid conflict. Hey, I don't really want to talk about that right now. Let's go see a movie. I don't really want to talk about that. Here, here's another one. This is a spot where premarital sex becomes a reality. Yep. I would rather be intimate and fix and create a whole nother set of problems than deal with this healthily and emotionally right now. Distraction. I would rather, or placators, I would rather give you what you want than deal with conflict right now. Mm -hmm. So we need to realize these tendencies are important because they hinder our ability to bring all of us one plus one equals one. It hinders our ability to bring our one to the table because we hide behind our communication tendency, right? This is also where dysfunction comes in. So like a placator and a computer, they really like each other. Computer likes to fix problems. Placator likes to avoid conflict. So we begin this domineering, I'm going to decide everything we do type of relationship, right? Placators and distractors. Everyone's happy because no one's arguing. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, one of the two blows up. And you're like, where the heck did that come from? I just asked you where you wanted to go for dinner. What do you want? (laughs) Tell me what you want. But if we do not learn to own our communication style and where our tendency lies, we can't bring a whole me and you can't bring a whole you to our relationship, our friendship, our dating, our marriage. Yeah, that's good. So we want to, in light of realizing that it's easy for dysfunction to fit into relationships, it's easy for arguments and dis- it, we call them extreme discussions <laughs> to come in. I'm just kidding. We don't call them that. That's lame. No, um, but – we argue like grown-ups. That's what we do. But um, we need to know how to fight fair. We need to know how to fight fair. Yeah. So we want to spend the last couple minutes real quick giving you some ground rules. And, again, these are things you can use in friendships. You can use with your parents. You can use with your boss. You can use with who you date. You can use with who you're married to to learn how to fight fair and keep communication going. The goal sometimes, honestly, is not to find a resolution It's to keep the conversation going. But our tendency is to blow things up so at least it's over and now it's done. Mm -hmm. And so these tools will help us learn how to keep the conversation going. Yep. Yeah. So first one, this is like just super practical, but I promise you, just like Ed said, you will find use in this in many different kinds of relationships. And that is to use I statements instead of we statements or excuse me, instead of you statements. So the tendency when we're in an argument or we're frustrated, right, is to say, like, you always do this or you never, you know, fill in the blank. But what is way better in that situation will set you up to actually have a discussion and resolve the problem is to say, when this happens, I feel this. Or when you do this or when you act out this way, whatever that might be, it makes me feel this. And it takes the, what it does is it takes the, de- the other person having to go in defense mode because they feel like they have to defend themselves because you're pointing the finger at them, right? Does that kind of make sense? So I guarantee you try that out and it will completely diffuse the situation. A big, another way to say that is my experience of you yeah. is. My experience of you right now is that you are angry and it's scaring me. My experience of you right now is that you're not willing to budge at all, and that frustrates me. We have to remember, we need to disconnect respect for the person from frustration of their behavior. Right? you got to disconnect. 
those two things. The other thing you got to be careful of, some of us like to fight with the kitchen sink, right? We will literally walk over, grab the sink, rip it out of the counter, and just throw it at the person. <laughs> He's and, strong. Yeah. And, and I've never thrown, for the record, I've never thrown anything. I'm completely at, kidding. Okay. That's how people get arrested, Brittany. So... <laughs> But we pick up the kitchen sink. You always, and, and this is the other thing, when we start doing you statements, generally what we bring in is things way beyond the parameters of what we're talking about. Yeah. You always lie to me, and on top of that, you smell bad. <laughs> That's a kitchen sink statement, right? Kitchen sink. Yeah, kitchen, yeah, there you go. Kitchen sink, kitchen sink. You always lie, and you can't manage your finances. You always, you always, you always. Those are kitchen sink statements. We need to learn to take, because remember, it takes two to tango. If I'm that frustrated with that person, I have allowed them to violate boundaries for a while. Yeah. So my experience of you is, and this is what it does to me. Yeah. Next one is, again, and this is this is one, honestly, like when I've used this, I feel kind of awkward about it. Like, hmm, this is just weird. And that's called practice reflective listening. Practice reflective listening. Now, what I mean by that. You know, I think we're good at, like, sitting down and just listening, right? It's like, yeah, I'm listening to you. But we're kind of in this mode of, like, ready to respond back to them. So we're not really listening. We're just getting ready to respond. And what is way more effective and will actually communicate the right thing that you actually want to communicate to that person is if you can instead listen to just hear what they're saying and say, what I heard you say is this and repeat it back to them, do you actually know that you heard what they were trying to say? Because if not, they need to clarify it, and you guys need to be on the same page, otherwise it was a waste of time, okay? This is important at the beginning of a heated discussion, because generally the first thing that comes out of your mouth is not what you meant to say. Mm -hmm. First, the first one is a vomit of frustration that generally isn't fair, that we will probably end up apologizing for later, right? So. That's why it's important, and you know, you want to know when you've really done this well, is when you already know you're about to win this argument. Oh, they don't even know. Just you wait. Just wait till they shut their mouth. I'm going to set them straight. No, I am not, because we have to remember, an extreme show of emotion means something's broken. Yep. So even if I am validated, if Brittany is that upset about something in my behavior, I am missing something somewhere. And I value our relationship enough. I'd rather restore our relationship than prove I was right in the moment. Yeah. So we need to learn to listen. Guys, this is important. To listen to make sure that your woman feels heard. Yeah. If they do not feel heard, you will begin to lose trust. Mm -hmm. And it does not matter what is said after that. The assumption will be that you would rather be right than be in relationship. Yeah. And I just, like, being real with you guys, I've had to use this with my parents. Like, I'm an only child, and there's been times, like, as I got older, and, like, the expectations of me as their only kid were, was a, something I hadn't learned to navigate. And there were times where I had to use this and say, okay, what you're saying to me is this. This is what I'm receiving. And I've had to use that multiple times. So, again, this is, goes beyond just a, a marriage relationship. But then um, we're going to kind of breeze through the next couple Next one is understand and accept the differences between men and women, which we already talked about, right? You can't just know those things and then in the heat of the moment, you kind of forget about it. You kind of put it on the back burner like, wow, you should just hear things the way I hear them. It doesn't work like that, okay? And then the next one 
apologize when necessary. Okay, that's a big deal. Please do not get in the habit of just saying you're sorry to end the conversation. I'm sorry. As if that fixes it. Like, everybody knows when they get a fake, I was about to swear. Everybody knows when they get a fake apology, you know it immediately. You know, oh, they're just saying that to, to, to make me shut up, right? And that's, that's, not, that's not who we are. We're better than that, okay? Be genuine with what you say. And when you are sorry, you say it. If not, there needs to continue to be a conversation and identify what actually needs to be said in that moment, not just, sorry, let's move on. And it's, I'm sorry without extras. Yes. I am sorry, but when you do this, <laughs> I'm going to do this. <laughs> you know your apology is authentic when there's no strings attached. Yeah. I am sorry, and then shut up. Like, seriously, and this is hard. I apologize for my behavior, but your behavior kind of sucks too. <laughs> no. Like a little whisper? Yeah. I, and, and honestly, like, this is, this is when you know in, in that scripture we read, humble, humble, humble. I am sorry, and then shut up. The last one is communicate through touch. And this, obviously, this is going to have different meanings depending on if it's a friendship or marriage, whatever. But I, I can tell you, especially guys, I'm going to speak to you for a second. There is something, I think, that happens when you're in kind of an argument and you there's almost this, like, invisible wall that comes up between you. But when you're able to sit down and have the discussion while being, like, next to one another, even just a simple, like, like, oh my knee is touching you like I know that seems dumb but it it helps alleviate this tension between the two of you that kind of escalates the conversation we all know like when we're you know in an argument your tendency is to kind of like get across the room from each other so it's like you can get all big I don't know that's not a tendency I don't know why I'm saying this right now but <laughs> that can be a tendency right it's like you kind of want to continue that that separation from each other but um, even the smallest, simplest touch, like hand on your hand when you're having the dialogue, makes a world of difference. Another, another way to describe that is eye contact. Yeah. If you are deeming it worthy, that heated of a discussion, then face them face to face. Yeah. Another thing, if you value your relationship with someone, these are not text message conversations. <sighs> like they're not. Can we just, can we just soapbox that for a second yeah if you we're over time but i'm gonna it's for, worth it i'm giving us a 30 second soapbox when we'll be done if you have deemed them worthy of relationship then they deserve to be talked to face to face preach now side note if you believe that your relationship is solid because it started over text then you do not get the right to be frustrated when you argue over text, mm -hmm. right? Even when Brittany and I were dating long distance, if we had a disagreement, we FaceTimed. Yeah. Like, she, I, I respected Brittany enough that she could see my face, and I was going to own that we had a disagreement we needed to talk through, mm -hmm. even if we couldn't do it in person. But this is, this is what's frustrating to me right now about our culture. Relationships are started through apps, 
Showing that we're attracted to someone is done by liking their status and then vague booking about them on Facebook. <laughs> Instead of having the guts to start something face-to-face. -face. Girls, you need to realize it is a girl-like behavior to believe a guy cares with what he communicates over social media and through text message. Mm -hmm. A woman will require a man at some point to man up and look at them face-to-face. -face. Amen. So, uh, the reason I'm saying that is if I'm claiming to be a woman or a man and I am allowing myself to be pursued or to show that I am pursuing over social media, and, and don't, like, don't get me wrong, Brittany and I text a lot, but when there was a time to move our relationship forward, it was done face-to-face. -face. Yes. So, if I'm going to pursue and show I care by sending winky faces over text message, then I do not have the right to be frustrated when my relationship is shallow and our communication is hindered. Yep. We need to realize that these type of relationships, friendships, dating relationships that lead to marriage need to be done face to face as humans, not a human hiding behind technology. Yeah. Right? All right, I'm off my soapbox. So I hope this helps. I, I, it was really practical intentionally, and these are tools that we have found in marriages that we really respect yeah. and that, and that ha are standing the test of time, right? So let's pray, and we'll be done. God, we thank you so much, again, for the practicality of your word, that there are things that we can pull from and understand and grow in that you teach us through your word. And I, I pray for those of us who are realizing what our communication tendency is and how that set us up for failure in relationship, for those of us that are realizing that we may not have stood up for ourselves, for those of us who are realizing we have shaky communication skills at best, I pray that over the next couple weeks we would face that head on. We would face our faults and be willing to grow and improve in them so we can build in the tools that help build relationships that last a lifetime. Yeah. We thank you for that, God. We, we thank you for how good you are in your name. Amen. Amen. Real fast, next week we want to make sure you guys know we are having a guest. A lot of you got to hear her this summer when she spoke, but Robin Miller is going to be back with us. I know. I'm so stoked. But she's going to speak specifically on when relationships get tough. And um, if any of you know Robin's story even a little bit, she has a lot of experience in this area. So I'd encourage you guys, be here next week. Bring somebody you know that is maybe walking through some tough relationship stuff because Robin is the person that is going to be really able to speak to that. She's going to do a great job. It's going to be a fun week. So make sure you guys come next week. But thanks for being here tonight, you guys. I love you. Have a great week.